Okay, let's do this. Um, we're going to open scripture in Matthew 8, and I'm going to ask a lot of, <laughs> I'm going to ask, it's okay, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, and there's not many of us here, so you're going to have to answer. That's the way it's going to have to go. Um, um, the elders that are visiting their families and other folks that I know are visiting families, they, they're off the hook today. You, though, we have to answer a little. And I'll protect you. If you answer wrong, it won't be wrong. I'll, I'll make it like it's right. It'll be just fine. I'll twist it to be good. So let's turn to Matthew 8. Um, and we're going to start reading in uh, verse 5, okay? But can someone tell me what happens before verse 5? So what has Jesus been doing? What's been going on? What's, what's the story right now before verse 5? And we're not even recording today online, so I'll just wait a long time. So what happens before verse 5? I love it. Yes. God has made people and God has sent Jesus to those people. Perfect. Good thinking. And Jesus is teaching them where? Where is Jesus teaching them? When we go to the mountain? Yep, you knew it. You knew it exactly. Jesus is teaching them on a hill. Perfect, perfect. I like where your, where your head's at. Jesus is teaching them on a hill. He's teaching this, this kingdom of heaven at hand. It's different than the scribes and Pharisees at the time because the scribes and Pharisees are concerned with teaching people not to do wrong, right? Or teaching rather than even not do wrong, teaching people to further the systems that they've created, right? So God has given law, God has given best practice of ways to live, and the scribes and Pharisees have twisted that and created that into a system, much like we experience every day. And then Jesus comes and says, no, no, let me tell you how to live a life overarching all those systems, and not a life of sin management, not a life of do good when you can, but rather what the kingdom of heaven, the dance of God, the dreams of God, what is that doing to you? And what does that make you do through your own life to everyone around you, right? And then Jesus is teaching this, and who does Jesus encounter right before verse 5? What? A leper, right? Who is a leper in that society? This is true. Jesus knows when you love him very much. Did the leper, what, what do you know about lepers? Anyone? What? Very sneaky. Leopards are very sneaky. You're exactly right. Leopards, it's okay. That's a great answer, for real. That's what I'm saying. Leopards, super sneaky. That's right. Lepers, less sneaky, which is the opposite, which I think is why you said that, because the opposite of what a leper is. They had to ring a bell and say they're there. They're very unclean, right? So here, here's what I'm getting at, is... Jesus comes down this mountain after talking about the kingdom of heaven at hand, after talking about what the kingdom does for the least of these, after talking about the kingdom is available for all and to all it's available, whether they are lustful, whether they are angry, 
whether or not they're pregnant at the wrong time, whether or not they're poor, whether or not they're absolutely broken, whether or not they've been married seven times, whether or not whatever it is in their life, Jesus said the kingdom is available to you. And then the first person Jesus meets on the way down this mountain after explaining what the kingdom of heaven is, is one of these that the kingdom of heaven belongs to, right? It's a leper. And now it's finally to the test, right? This, all this, this teaching Jesus has given, we find out if he's like a scribe and a Pharisee who says something that's good, or like a normal 2021 Christian who says we should love the poor and says you should love the outcast, or whether Jesus actually is going to love them and care for them. And what's he do? The very first thing, the leper asks him the most perfect question, are you willing to clean me? And Jesus says, I'm not only willing to clean you, I'm willing to touch you. I'm willing to be one with you. I'm willing to let you have your life back and gives it to him. And then we have another person that's perfect in this, this commentary of who the kingdom of heaven is for, okay? So let's start reading right then. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Who is then a um, centurion? Anyone? What is, it? what is a centurion? Leader of a hundred men for what nation state? Wonderful. Roman nation state. He's a leader of a hundred men, meaning what about him? If you're in charge of a hundred men and you're a centurion, what does that probably say about you? Say it again. Yeah, you're probably good at your job. And what is the centurion's job? To lead the hundred men to do what? Conquer other people. It's the truth. To suppress them violently. To be atrocious on a battlefield. To make people afraid of them. That's his job. And he was good enough at it to where his leaders, his centurion, said, you know what? I see a lot of promise in this guy in leadership of suppressing people. I, I see a lot of promise in this person in leading to further Rome above all things. Before people's livelihood, before their family, before their religion, this person believes in furthering Rome. I like him. Let's promote him and make him in charge of 100 people that are dreaming to be like him, right? That's what a centurion is. A centurion in this day of, of the Jewish people watching them is like the epitome of the enemy, that is the enemy. And not just because of the way they think, not just because of the way they, 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 their mindset is to the world and how they react to the world, it's because they've murdered them. It's because they've like, suppressed them with violence, like epic violence, violence of fear, violence of, of murder. It's, it's, we can't, we can't like grapple with it well enough because we just don't have it in front of us in America. We just don't have that. And that's who this is. And so as the crowd following Jesus, all these Jewish people are following Jesus, wanting to like glean to his teaching because he's a rabbi, 
and I'm not rabbiing because he's not a rabbi. The, the quoters are because the centurion wouldn't have understood rabbi, right? But as people are following Jesus, the centurion, the enemy of the state, in the most epic way, a terrorist, if you're Jewish, a, a car bomber, if you're Jewish, an absolute enemy comes up to Jesus. And here's what's so important for us to remember. Jesus just talked about loving your enemies, right? Jesus just talked about loving the least of these. And yes, a Jewish leper, oh man, someone falling on hard times, but has the same grandparents that you do, right? At least has learned the same scripture, might have been in kindergarten with your cousin, right? All that, fine, that's okay. But this is different. This is a different nationality. This is a different worshiper. This is an absolute enemy. This is someone who has harmed you. This is worse than a tax collector. This is worse than someone that cheated you. This is someone who actively oppresses you. Now, Jesus has an opportunity to talk about what the real kingdom is. And so here's where I want to pause. And let me give a disclaimer for this question. Who in our day, who in Austin, Texas, who around you in the world is equivalent to a centurion? Now, uh, here's the disclaimer. Obviously not to you. Every one of you that are going to have the answer, you love everyone. So you're not, if you say a person, no one's going to be like, oh, Lauren doesn't love blank, right? So you have an out, you have an out, but who are the centurions of our day? Anyone? Say it again. The police chief, yep, that's fair. And Austin, we've switched a lot in the last few years. So I wonder, does anyone know our police chief's name? Used to be our office, uh, Acevedo. Then the next guy, I remember his first name, but he came to Habitat a few times. Does anyone know the current? Okay. I don't either. I'm embarrassed as well. So it's fine. Who else? Who else would be the centurion? Nice, okay. So, again, we're not recorded. If we were, we would say this. The Jeff Bezos of the world would maybe be this, right? The ones that run things that maybe don't pay laborers, like we would say, our church family would say, is right, is fair, right? I'll, I'll tell you, Ellen, I used to build houses for those folks. Every single client I worked with, um, besides, actually, that's not true. Three out of four clients I worked with, I would say, ah, uh, please see how you could be better, right? So that's it's incredibly fair. What else? Who else would this be? I would say to the majority of the Christian community, it would be the uh, CEO and COO and the local leaders of Planned Parenthood. That would be who this is. For the local church community, that's who it would be. I'll also say it would probably be, um, I mean, depending on what, how you voted, it would be the other people, the other party's leaders. That would be a centurion to you, especially the way our, our culture is so divided right now, the way our, our people are divided and how people say someone is absolutely right or absolutely wrong, 
wrong. We live in absolutes these days, so that would be it. And here's, here's the deal. We can't just read this passage and say, um, I'm trying to find the best way to explain this. We can't just say it's someone apart from us, but that we would still love our friend to see us naturally love. This isn't, I'll be honest with you, this isn't a homeless dude on like MLK and airport for me. Because it looks good if I love that person. Looks good. I mean, y'all, y'all would say, oh man, Austin's really doing it. He really cares, right? This isn't someone from a community that's struggling that we would say, yeah, the church obviously should help them, right? This isn't that. This is an absolute enemy and we don't have a lot of them. And we need to name that, no, this is an enemy of the way of like against you personally as your family. If you had one, this is who this is. This centurion, who knows, for better or worse, could have ended some of the people's family members in this story, in the crowd. And this centurion comes to Jesus. And the reason I'm harping on this is because the kingdom is larger than we think. It always has been, and it always will be. And it's going to confuse us when someone outside of what we think the kingdom actually is does good. And it's going to really stress us and challenge our religious ideas when someone outside the kingdom loves better than we do and better than you do as a mother and better than I do as a father. It's going to challenge us. And Jesus hears this person, hears this centurion that have killed his people, that have oppressed his people, and says this, And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another I say, come here to me, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus heard him and marveled at what he said and followed him and said, Truly I say to you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith, I tell you. Many will come from east and west and will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And here's what we find. The centurion said this to Jesus. He said, look, look, no. You don't have to come to my house. Because I'm, I'm in a line of authority. I have a boss. The boss says to do something, I have to do it. Right? He says, and then if I tell anyone under my command to do something, they have to. They will do it. And a servant at my house, I say, do this, and they're going to do this. He said, so basically, what, what he's telling Jesus, and here's what's profound about this story, is again, he doesn't see Jesus as, Rabboni, as a rabbi, he doesn't see Jesus as a discipler. He sees Jesus as the boss, manager, slash centurion, slash king in front of him. And it's unique. Because he says, no, no, all you need to do is tell me to go home. And I trust that you'll just do it. Don't come to my house. 
You're too good. There's something too special about you. I've hurt your people. I'm an enemy. I, I know, the centurion knows who he is. He knows his place. He says, I'm an actual enemy. Just say it, and I trust. I trust that my servant will be healed. So we find a couple of things about this centurion. Number one, yes, he knows who Jesus is, right? He, he seems to. Also, he loves a servant, which is interesting at the time, that he loves the servant. He wants him to be healed. It's not, he's not just saying, my servant won't be able to bring my eggs extra poached. Or I don't even know. I don't have poached eggs. What do we do, Lily? Oh, uh, over easy. My servant is the best at over easy eggs. I will not have my over easy eggs unless the servant comes home. It's not that. He loves him. Seems to care. Seems to care about the servant. And then how does Jesus respond to that? What does Jesus say to this enemy? And here's, here's the you answer again. What does Jesus' response say about Jesus, about the kingdom, about the servant, whatever? What is it? That's okay. That's all right. What else? What does Jesus' response say? Does it say, hey, everyone around you, this person you think is wicked, this person you know is wicked, this person you know is destined to hell, has good inside them? Say that at all? To say, in fact, the good inside them is more and more pure and more beautiful than the good you seem to think is inside of you. The good you think makes you you. The good that you think makes me or makes you God's chosen people. The good inside you isn't what you think. Because I'm looking at someone who is your actual enemy, who has murdered you. Someone who's maimed your people, who has oppressed your people, and put you in a state that you even want the Messiah. I have not seen a love and a faith in a person like I see that enemy. What would that do to us here? <laughs> really, if... if if anyone came here and said, you know what, Church of East, the part of you that you think is so beautiful, and we all have that, we know that. We act like we're so humble that we don't know what's good about us. We know what's, we, we know. We're not, we're not, don't be foolish. Like, let's not lie. We know there's something in us that we count and we glorify. And we say, you know, I have my faults, but this is lovely about me. This is lovely about the Evers house. We have it. We, we're not going to lie about it. <laughs> we know what we're proud of at the Evers house. If someone who was the opposite of that, and like our enemy, someone, someone who hated Filipinos maybe, was in front of Jesus, and Jesus said, oh man, Austin, that thing that you have that no one has, actually, this person has it in spades, and I love them for it. And they're a part of the kingdom because of it. What in the world would that do to us? <laughs> what would that do? What, what, 
could we say? It would flip our religion on its face, right? That's what Jesus is explaining right away. That's what the, the Matthew passage, it's, it's after Mark. Mark explains it first, and then Matthew rewrites it for everyone because it's so important. Because right away, Jesus comes down off the mountain after giving a wonderful teaching that's hard, right? That's hard to accept. How in the world could you not be angry to the point of hatred? Because they're, you know, people deserve to be hated everywhere, right? That's, that's the people. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't be angry. Do not hate. Find so much love within you that there's no room for it. And everyone says, yeah, that's really smart. I like that. That's really good. And then the first people he meets is the supposed leper who's obviously sinful, or his parents are, he wouldn't have leprosy, and he came up to Jesus and made everyone at the party unclean, and how dare he do that? He should be stoned. Jesus heals him, and then a centurion comes who's actively oppressed him, is really good at his job, and, and held charge over a hundred men, and he just wants his servant clean, far away. You think the Jews there wanted his servant made well? No. They're like, yeah, I hope he dies. Glad he has, I'm glad he's, paraly- he's paralyzed. Like, no, no one wants this. And Jesus said, no, the kingdom is not like you think. It's just not. The kingdom is loving in such an absolute reckless manner that if someone, even a glimpse of them, thinks I'm Lord, then I am. And we'll work out who they oppress, who they hate, who they love, we'll work that out later, but if they want me, I will give myself to them. And yet we withhold God's self from them. We withhold blessing from them because we don't want to know them. And Jesus says, you know what? If there's, if there's the smallest amount of faith, I'm going to just pour it on their story. I'm going to let the kingdom wash over them like a waterfall, not a fountain. We think that person obviously doesn't understand because look at their life. It's a disaster, right? And we withhold. We withhold blessing and Jesus pours it on. We are in the business of picking and choosing who gets our love, who gets our families, who gets our blessing. And Jesus said, if you come to me, I will give to you. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. And yet we sometimes are the opposite. And I say that to a group of people I really think are really good. (laughs) I hope Lily and I and our boys are really good. But I'm reading this this week and we're just not the kingdom yet. We still find people similar enough to us, or if they're different from us, different enough to make us look like we did right, or they would at least fit in here. And we don't really give the kingdom. But that's what the kingdom of heaven at hand is. That's what it like, has always done. And Jesus, Jesus explains that right away off the mountain. It says, no, 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 this is what it has always done. And this is forever what it will really do. It's a leper and a centurion. Right away, back to back. Healed one, and then healed one's servant. I mean, that is as reckless and revolutionary. And we can't even, we don't even have a place 
to like categorize it. We don't here in Texas with who we are. But that's the beauty of it. And that's what we need to try to capture a little bit. And there's no like action item for us. <laughs> there's no like, all right, Matt, now you should go home and do this, right? Like, this is just, can we just love this kind of kingdom? Can we, ju- can we just be like this rabbi? Can we just be the kind of people who said, for real, the kingdom is available to all and to all it's available and not, not fake that and not say, you know what, yes, we believe that. We personally won't bring it, but somebody will, right? Can we just be those people for just a minute? And that's, that's what the kingdom of heaven is. And that's the revolutionary way of the Sermon on the Mount and the way of Jesus coming off the mountain and going to the first town over. So I want us, what I just want us to do is just pray that we would just catch some of it, that it would like rub off on us for just a, a minute, or that it would, and not even that it convict you, honestly, it, that it just would maybe catch fire somewhere, you know? I'm not even, I don't even know that I know exactly what to repent of. <laughs> I know there's something, but I'm trying to figure it out this week, but maybe some of that just catches with us, and we're like, you know what, y'all run with this. This sounds good. I will open my sphere of who the kingdom is available to. So let's do this. The band's going to come and play. We're going to have communion. Let's stand together, um, and we'll pray together, and then we'll have communion together, and we'll go from there, okay? So let's do this. Let me pray for you, and then I'll explain how that's going to work. So God, we... We recognize that your kingdom is wider and deeper than we imagined. It is. It just is. And it always has been. And we know too, God, that, that our bias, our um, prejudice, our, our rules and regulations have hindered the kingdom everywhere. Everywhere. But we don't want it to. We want um, you to change us. We want you to change the world around us. And so we ask to please use us to do it all the way. And we mean it. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're going to do, we're going to have communion together. There's two places for communion. Here is like gluten-free communion. There's little squares. They're tiny. Like this. Um, and then there's glutened communion on that side. Um, there's going to be two songs. If you would, just during those two songs, we want to invite you to the table. Um, come and take communion whenever you're ready. Um, and here's what we're saying when we take communion like that. We're not saying, yes, I have it together like you, Jesus. I got it. I'm with you. I would never have prejudice. I would never go against enemies. I would never. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we are broken and we are formed by our culture, even when we don't think we are. We are saying we are one with this prejudice, but want to be different. That we want something more. That we want to be with you in healing a centurion servant. We want to use us to do the same. That's what we're